0: In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six.
1: I am not a number. I am a free man. I was in the shower the other day, and it just occurs to me, occurred to me as it does, honestly, about once every few months, like it just pops in there of like, I am so gutted, and so in awe of the title, but ultimately so gutted it doesn't exist. Night of the Living Ed, Sheppiela. I think probably every Halloween for the rest of my life, I'm going to be so gutted that Peg and Co and Wright and Frost have not re-teamed for Night of the Living Ed. It was a stroke of genius and a little plug for the the Short of the Dead sequel podcast of Shoulders of Giants, TM. (laughs) But, uh, But nonetheless, man, it's just... I think it's my favorite title of everything we've done so far. Like, you know, I'm not saying it's the favorite pitch, it's still a brilliant pitch, but like, it's just the best title. You're saying it's better
0: than like American Werewolf in London 2. It's better than that title. (laughs) That's fair enough. I can dig it.
1: Squeaks (laughs) it. But just, well, we've just
0: had Halloween, and so that's lovely. Yeah, that's what I was
1: thinking, and it's just been percolating a bit. I thought I'd share it because it is one of those titles, like, just talking sequels and whatnot, where. You say that title to someone. Not only is it a brilliant pun, not only is it just kind of really perfect, and obviously evokes one of the best characters of sure of the dead anyway. But then, but then it just actually writes. It doesn't write the film for you, but it tells you what needs to happen. Like it tells you like things have to happen there to get Ed back, and then like you know it's just really cool. And yeah, man, it's just. Nice. It's a go-to-lunch title and it's the best go-to-lunch title either of us have come up with, it's absolutely perfect.
0: The thing and I'm, just... the mo- well thank you, but the thing I'm most proud of out of that whole thing is just having it set in Milton Keynes. Uh, I'm very <laughs> happy with that, yeah, <laughs> makes me happy. Uh, Jimbo, have you watched any interesting television or films since last we spoke?
1: oh we're deep into sons of anarchy sheppy deep in deep deep we're nearly nearly at the final season now so uh yeah that's that's fun as we've discussed before spoilers
0: for um sons of anarchy and if you haven't seen sons of anarchy skip forward 30 seconds and three seconds jimmy uh how's ron pullman doing
1: He's in he's in prison, Sheppy. He's uh he's oh, moping shit. about prison. Yeah, yeah. No. He's just had one of the more traumatic conjugal visits I've ever seen on screen, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's it's something. It's something. And you know, it's really interesting what they're doing with um old Jax, uh our our main character, yeah. and like what an arse he's becoming and how like not on his side I am anymore. Right. Screw Jax campaign starts yeah. here about on everybody's side that's plotted against him and uh yeah oh,
0: your team peter weller <laughs>
1: yeah, it's gonna roll a cup it's nice yeah. Yeah. yeah oh
0: well that's great lovely well 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 Good, we'll keep us informed as to how that progress goes with that. Um, wonderful. What I like about Sons of Anarchy is I watched it after watching The Shield and it's um, the, one of the main writers of The Shield did Sons of Anarchy and in every season, if not more, multiple times per season in Sons of Anarchy, one of the core group from um, The Shield pop up, uh, the actor as a different character and that, it's nice. So I've, I've always enjoyed that aspect of seeing people playing different characters. You might even say they're actors. So yes, um, wonderful, so good. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying all of that, Jimmy. That's brilliant. In terms of myself, um, nothing, nothing major. I've been doing some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles films and it did, I won't lie to you, Jimmy, it did cross my mind to maybe like, shall we just watch fucking every turtle film and then do a werewolf esque, like every turtle film ever made type pod. Um, oh my god! We didn't, we didn't know it's not going to happen, so don't worry about it. Because um, we didn't do Turtles in Time, but we did do the original. We did um, an episode from the cartoon from the eighties, uh, and then where they get shrunk by uh, Shredder, who's just lurking in a bush. Then we did the 1990s, which everyone in England who was like alive in 1990 saw the pirated video of Turtles and and didn't go to the cinema, uh, uh, which was a whole other thing about the BBFC in the 80s and 90s about nunchucks, but Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, no doubt. But so we saw the film, which remains so much better than it needs to be. Then we saw like a week later, Secret of the Ewes, which is as good as you would assume the first film would have been in the first place. Uh, Still with some very nice moments. We didn't do Turtles in Time, but then we did do the cartoon uh, from 2007, which remains excellent, which I saw at the cinema at the time, and it does remain really good. Uh, So that's nice. And because we're so deep, we're like halfway through season six of Buffy by now. And Sarah Michelle Gellar does April, so that's nice. Um, and then we did the two thousand, I think thirteen or fourteen, Michael Bay produced one with Will Arnett and Megan Fox. Oh, Megan wow. Fox's uh, April, yeah, Will Arnett um, being great, but it's like this is two thousand and thirteen there's there's you know he had a really good career there was no need it's not a good role it's a small role it's like a 2003 role for Arnett and I'm sure he knew it at the time but money (laughs) high profile uh, and he is good and he does get to improvise a bit but it's not a good film it's really bad actually it's a really like bad film in the truest sense of the word like bad Like, I'm going to drain every drop of your blood, even if it kills you. Well, I'm pretty sure if you drain everything, stuff like that. I mean, but that's one example. But like every line is is something which doesn't work and bits don't work. And if you're precious about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they rewrite the origin, which again is like, okay, but. One item is like Shredder, it's just like CGI and all of his knives and things are like 20 times bigger and they shoot out and shoot back in and it's just Michael Bay being like, what if it's bigger, what if it's bigger? And it's so disgusting. Um, And that's a horrible shame. But also Splinter down in the sewers, like in the flashback of the origin, he just finds a book saying, Teach yourself ninja. And he goes, I taught myself ninja. And you see him flicking through this book and it's like different poses. And then he becomes a master ninja. And then he teaches. Now I know being this nitpicky about teenage mutant ninja turtles is perhaps missing the point. But <laughs> ultimately, he finds a book, Jimmy, and goes, Ah, let's become a ninja then. Oh, it's awful. Um, so there is a sequel to that but I don't think we're going to do that but we are going to do the brand new Seth Rogen produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animation film as soon as that becomes available so watch this space so that's like a condensed version of my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode of the podcast which we're not going to do so there you go <laughs> good stuff Good stuff.
1: thank you for sharing it Sheppy. I feel like pizza for some reason and I don't know why even though it's breakfast good time. stuff um, do you remember any of those films did you see any of those oh films? sheppy no i remember the very vaguely the first i think i've only ever seen the first one to be honest and the sort of the and i remember watching the pirated one you know can hear the blue lights now coming for me um but yeah everyone remember,
0: watched the pirated version yeah. in england everyone
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> including it's, the true. it's
0: weird it's one of those things no it's one of those weird things um Teenage Mutant Hero Turtle. Well, let's not get into it too much. No one went to go and see that film at the cinema. If you did go and see that film at the cinema in 1990 in England, write in and let us know because everyone saw the pirated version because um yeah the cinema version was cut re- re- like Temple of Doom styling. So yes, there you go. Good stuff. In the meantime, Jimmy, shall we jump in? Um, let's jump.
1: Let's jump. Shall we do an shall introduction? Let's do an intro. Welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I am Jimmy. Hello,
0: I am Sheppy. And today, Jimmy, we are doing part two, or even chapter two, of the special series that we've just started, which is all about the cult and classic 1967 to 1968 TV show, The Prisoner. I believe, so in the previous episode, we talked about the first episode, the pilot, Arrival, and today we're talking about the first three episodes proper. Quick note, you and I had a little bit of, uh, uh, it it wasn't really a big problem in the end, but the the order of the episodes of The Prisoner, specifically the first four or five after the pilot, which is called Arrival, the order... changes depending on where you look um and i'm i even did some research online to see the like the air date and the order that the episodes aired originally and where they sat on like the well because i be watching them on dvd but also like my brother had them on video and something is telling me that they were in a slightly different order then bottom line for listeners Jimbo and I did the three episodes, which is episode two, three and four, uh, but we did them in like different orders. It doesn't ultimately matter. We've seen them all. And the continuity doesn't really exist anyway. Like, and you could say, happily enough, that adds to the whole dreamlike experience. Like, wh- how long has he been there? Uh, has it been a few months? What, what's going on? Like, he seems to have been there a long time. He says in Chimes of Big Ben, which is officially episode two, that he's been there for a couple of months. But in other ones, he says, I've just arrived. And spoiler, in episodes we haven't seen yet, he says, I've just arrived here. So it's all over the place. Um, with that in mind, also, in just to be confusing, so any listeners who want to watch along with us, officially, the pilot is episode zero and The Chimes of Big Ben is episode one. But we're not doing that. We are gonna call this like Arrival is episode one, Chimes of Big Ben is episode two. This is all why in the previous episode, I said there were 16 episodes, even though I thought there were 17 episodes because there are 17 episodes. It's just that episode one is episode zero. So just for the purpose of this podcast, Episode one is The Pilot Arrival, episode two is Chimes of Big Ben, episode three is A, B and C, and episode four is Free For All, and that, and so it's those three that we're doing today. Uh, that's lovely, that's wonderful, and I figure we might as well talk, uh, talk about these episodes in the order that they're officially documented on DVD and IMDb, even if Jimbo and I watch the, these three episodes in different orders to each other, is that all basically making sense to you, Jimbo?
1: Yeah, it makes complete sense to me, Sheppy. And there is a link on Wikipedia that I might even share in the in the pod as well, um, just to to help to help our little listeners along if they're do a watch along, because um, the we, we're going with basically I think the ITC, the official transmission sequence, and that's there on, on Wikipedia, nice and clear. So
0: and IMDB, and said, it's also yeah. the order, which is on DVD. Uh, the yeah. main problem came is because Jimbo is watching it on YouTube, which is on a totally different order. But everything else seems to be the same as as is listed on the DVD and on IMDB and Wikipedia. But what I like I was saying, when they were originally aired, who knows? They certainly weren't written in this order. That's for sure, because it's a weird. To have The Chimes of Big Ben as the first episode proper is weird in itself. So with that in mind, that's just part of the prisoner's charm. Quick recap, Prisoner, 1967. Jimbo, you told us last time that you hadn't seen The Prisoner and you weren't even sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't sure what the prison was, yeah. right? Like what for, what shape the prison would take. Um, and therefore you were surprised that it was this Port Merion, like good place, nice, pseudo-friendly. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Villain. I knew
1: nothing. I knew nothing. Absolutely So
0: nothing. did you, I mean, knowing nothing, going into the first episode, knowing it was the prisoner, if you would have been asked... What do you think is going to be the environment, or what is going to be the basic plot? Would you have had an answer?
1: Well, no. I, I'd have I'd have assumed that. Like, I I I must have had like the image of him running along the sand somewhere in my brain, and all the bits where they're sort of in some form of scientific lab adjacent to Number Two's lair or whatever. Like you know, yeah. I'd have I'd have backed that that he was sort of in some kind of dr sort of. Adam yeah you know? yeah yeah that kind of vibe that he was just locked in there nice. and trying to get out every week you know um
0: right right but
1: but yeah and nice. and it would have been nice. surreal i was expecting surreal not quite as awesome surreal but still surreal you know so yeah right,
0: yes oh i love it i love it jimmy can i quickly say as well Something that um, whenever I'm watching The Prisoner, like I I saw it with Marta like about four years ago, which was the last time I did it all the way through. But every now and again, I'm walking along, the prisoner theme pops into my head and it's a very dynamic theme. Quick thing when I'm walking along often and I have the prisoner theme, something always happens. Every single time I've ever been humming the prisoner theme as I've been (laughs) skipping along. This is what happens. I'm singing and then at a certain point, it's like and it becomes the men behaving badly theme. So there you are. Uh just wanted to share that as like a little twist on my prisoner experience for the last three decades. So, amazing! you will.
1: I want to see Clunes as the prisoner. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and Morrissey nice. is number two. For yeah, one why week. Not? One week only, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, uh, well. So we Morrissey. should do a list well, You got, you got your Enfield two. for the first episode, then you got your Morrissey for the second oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Brilliant. it writes itself.
1: Brilliant. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, there you go lovely lovely jimmy <laughs> so with all of that in mind if you're happy um i'm gonna actually quickly mention something which i didn't mention last time uh in the- in, in in terms of the theme uh, the theme to the prisoner is by ron granger i don't know if you're aware of this name but he's a bit of a superstar in terms of tv themes and he's done a lot a lot of iconic themes but I do want to quickly mention Ron Granger he was born in 1922 um, uh, in Queensland in in Australia which I I did not know and he was a child prodigy playing piano when he was two and violin when he was four Um, and he moved to England when he was 30 in 1952 um, ten years after that, or eleven years after that, in 1963, he composed the theme tune to a little show I like to call Doctor Who, uh, and then The Prisoner in '67. So, if he had only done Doctor Who in '63 and Prisoner in '67, that would make him a double icon. He did a lot of stuff. I'm not even going to go into it, but he did The Omega Man with Charlton Heston. He did Tales of the Unexpected in '79, The roll Doll Show. He did Shelley. <laughs> uh, with with how it so that's amazing he died young uh, in 1981 at 58 so that's a shame in 67 or possibly even 66 he was the third choice um to do the theme tune to the prisoner but the first two composers who were hired McGuin and no one nobody liked the music so Ron Granger was eventually hired as the third choice, but even then, McGowan didn't like the theme, so Granger speeded it up, and McGowan spunked.
1: So yeah. there
0: you go. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention uh, Ron, Ron Granger just as like a little extra an extra thing. Oh,
1: fair is... income, mate. Fair income. There brilliant. you go.
0: Yeah, he was not a dag, and he was not a bogan. So there you are. <laughs> um Uh, So yes, lovely, lovely, lovely. I also wanted to quickly mention another nice thing, my favourite shot in the credit sequence, and we talked about the credit sequence last week, but there's this one shot, just for like about two seconds at the most, when he pulls up outside his car and he gets out of his car, and, and there's this one shot of number six looking really pleased with himself and kind of heroic. And it's just like I say, he's just getting out of the car, it's really quick. But I really, really like that shot. <laughs> so that's another little thing I just wanted to mention. And the fact that the camera does loads of kind of you know film student tricks, like moving the camera past the stationary car to make it look like he's speeding past the camera and stuff. But it's kind of obvious, but in a charming way. There's loads of stuff like that. So I wanted to mention that. Um I also I Did you um, contact anyone about, like, anyone who might have been alive in '67 Jimbo about any memories they might have had (laughs) about the phenomenon when it came out?
1: I did, Sheppy. The I I, I have two people I can talk to about that Uh, my mother and my old stepdaddy, and and Mum had nothing. She never watched it, I don't think. So, uh, and Ian had very little too, but he did say, because I believe I had this whole memory of like it being Ian that was in my ear about it. But he said this. So he said, Talking Pictures TV ran some a short time ago. The parts which I had forgotten were the extremely stylized presentation, like many Dick Lester films of the era. This time round, it was as if mm-hmm. that aspect was of, of the whole, was the main objective. So, anyway, he's very cute. He just, I, I i think um i don't have any like fun quips Sheppy. the funnest quip i can give you is just that my mum then just goes oh it's quite twin peaksy isn't it darling like that and i just said yes and she goes whenever i think of twin peaks i always remember making you come babysit with me <laughs> so that i wouldn't get scared on my own and then making me walk the five minutes back home on my own after twin peaks was finished I never walked back home after that Twin Peaks session, <laughs> Sheppy. I sprinted like mm-hmm. the fucking devil was on my back and Bob was gonna jump out of the next hedge. And uh that's parenting in the nineties. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ellery close is not what it seems. Well, fair <laughs> enough to that. Um I asked my mum and my dad. um, My dad remembers the same as my mum, but significantly less, but basically the same. But what they both generally remember, my mum remembers more, is 67. My dad, it was on a Sunday night, my dad would play rugby, and then uh, they would all go for a pint or two at the pub afterwards. But my mum and my dad would have to each week come up with a new excuse why they had to leave early because they didn't want anyone to know that they were rushing home to watch the prisoner um sweet. so there you go um so that's, that's lovely that's yeah yeah it's charming i like that a lot so so there you go so those are little 197 uh, 67 little little memories uh wonderful In the meantime, we are today doing what we are calling episode two, which is the chimes of Big Ben, if you're happy to talk about this now. I'm just in awe of your
1: facilitation skills and the chairing of these meetings is just so professional and wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) I'm loving it. But yeah,
0: (laughs) I guess I'm probably trying to prove to myself that I can actually do a relatively tight podcast. (laughs) (laughs) With that in mind. Uh what did you think uh, any do you want, how do you want to do this do you want to talk about your general thoughts about Chimes of big Ben? can I, I do that
1: cuz i'm on? the newbie right Sheppy? if i I'm, no doubt you yes, have please. notes Go too but it. why don't I, i've got notes against all 3 and then maybe that'll so prompt you and then, big
0: yeah well tell you what jimmy you do your notes and then i'll do my notes and then we'll do episode 3 and then we'll do episode 4
1: Wonderbar. Lovely. Because they're very silly. They're very quick and silly, these notes. And some of them are funny or cheeky. And some of them are, you know, about how much I loved it. So um so (laughs) (laughs) Times of Big Ben has my favorite number two so far. Uh it really does. And unfortunately for me, or fortunately for me, is a bit of a tease. Looking at Wikipedia, it suggests that Leo McKern, who plays number two in this one, is actually back for Ep. Seventeen or Ep. Sixteen, so that's that's happy. So he might come up for the finale. But anyway, I love his opening. Even the act of putting on his dressing gown is a show of defiance. <laughs> so that was absolutely delicious. All right,
0: I'm going to interject here uh, because that's great, and I'm not going to let you go all the way through before I, before you say anything because you're you're say you're basically reading my list. First of all. What I've written is, so it's Leo McKern, who went on for great fame playing Rumpel of the Bailey, and he's in um, The Omen 2, he's in millions of things. My God, it's Leo McKern. And what I wrote, my first note for the Chimes of Big Ben is Leo is the Donald Pleasance of number twos. Ooh. And what I mean by that is he is the quintessential number two. Even if he didn't come back, Um, Although, yes, he does. But he's not the first, but he owns it. And also, I have written my third note. He has the line. He can make, even putting on a dressing gown, a a gesture of defiance, which is amazing. Uh, So there you are, Jimmy. Yes, we both agree on that. Uh, Leo McKern is amazing. Quick note, this isn't even in my notes, but when Leo McKern first met Patrick McGowan, it was in a pub in London and McGowan was a very particular man, a very special man, and McGowan was there, an angry man, and Leo McKern was there looking a lot like Leo McKern, and apparently, according to Leo McKern telling the story, McGowan went right up to him in the pub and said nose-to-nose, basically, Strickland style, he said uh, to Leo McKern, you're a funny-looking fucker, aren't you? And Lydia <laughs> McKern said to himself, oh, I see, it's going to be one of those sorts of friendships, is it? And then they were friends for the next, you know, 20 years. So so there you go. Uh, that's really that's
1: happy. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> so lovely. Good stuff. Um, uh, all just right, yes.
1: Very important question, just tied to that, Sheppy. Do you still own a dressing gown, Sheppy? That's what I want to know.
0: I'm wearing a dressing gown right now, Jimbo.
1: Amazing basic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of dressing gowns it's probably not relevant to this conversation but I've always been a huge fan <laughs> I think it's entirely gowns. relevant and I've always made sure I have at least one dressing gown at my disposal which continues <laughs> I have I have a lovely paisley silk dressing gown that someone bought me in China and I have like a, a chunky nice hooded dressing gown that I'm wearing at the moment so there you are
1: Fair play I play on the gowns. All right. Um,
0: Another quick note that I had was that um, Heidi High continues, which is also amazing the bong 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 and like basically hello campers and the chipper and everything is so fucking shrill like the phones are just like and the buzzers and the beeps and everything it's like such a comfortable looking environment but then with this huge contradictory sort of like hello everyone get up it's time to get up and it's it's very jarring and i like that as well
1: and I want a stiletto-shaped L-phone as well, Sheffield. Oh, I love those. They're amazing. I
0: love it. And they're so practical. Like, you put them down, and, of course, it hangs up because it's got the little button at the bottom. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> another another good line um, from number two is he says, like, they say, you know, why don't you attack number two? Why don't you attack number six? Why don't you really get at him? And number two says, I don't want a man of fragments, which is a really good line mm. as well. Yeah. Uh, Another another thing I noticed was um, the penny farthing, which continues to have a huge presence in this show, a defining image of the show, as much as Rover, the bubble ball thing, um, the penny farthing, which continues to to go over everything. And another thing I noticed in the first episode and also this episode was the uh, Pop Goes the Weasel uh, music playing. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah, 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 I did.
0: That's interesting. And again, this kind of makes everything. Pop goes the weasel is a vaguely you're <laughs> very threatening sort of song in the first place, but done here, it's um, and in lots of little nursery rhymes and little, you know songs that are done throughout the show, it's always, of course, you know, playground, but in a weird, horrible, threatening context, which I like.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel like that they're, they're, they're trying to say something. It really, starts to come through a bit more, maybe on free for all as well. But there's something there with the penny filings and everything shippy around. I don't know that he's talking about the good old days, but he's certainly like, it's, it's pretty. It's, it feels sort of Orwellian as well, right? In terms of how yeah. it's so dystopian and like where we're going, where we are, all that stuff. It's almost predicting everything that's happened. But yeah. Number two, for McKern, right? I love how he watches things in his little egg chair, like just yeah. cross-legged, really cross-legged is, yeah, in the cross-legged, chair. cross-legged
0: like a little sprite.
1: It's so cute. It's an amazing decision. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved how he didn't trust, he doesn't trust the new number eight at first. And I love that he just gives a short shrift for a while. It's just nice. Um, these white trim trainer shoes, things that they're all wearing, very oh, much dude. in vogue these days Sheppy. you know oh, it's really, you know. about
0: eight years ago I had those shoes not on purpose and I think even when I was wearing them for about a year I didn't realize they were village shoes um, but I I noticed that as well I'm like oh my god I had those shoes so there you go but I I was as I was ahead of the time because they're in vogue now. Um, they weren't when I was wearing them. I'm not saying I'm a <laughs> I'm a trailblazer, Jimmy. I'm not saying that I'm a a, fa- a fashion blazer. But if you want to say that, I won't disagree.
1: <laughs> I would happily say it, Sheppy. And I always thought that your blazer was the biggest blazer. I don't know what took you back, She, I've never seen you. No, I like it. I like no?
0: it. I like it very much. Another thing I'm going to quickly mention is um, one of my favourite moments ever in anything is when he's having another nice breakfast, a real Jimmy special, and he's <laughs> with number two, is number six, and then uh, and uh they, they talk about this in the first episode as well, but they say, how do you like your tea? Do you like sugar? He's like, don't you have it on my file? And number two is like, yes, but it's easy if you just tell me. He goes, why don't you look it up? And so Leo McKern like, rifles through number six's file and says, ah, does not take sugar. And at the end of the scene, he goes, plonk, 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 and number six drops in three uh, cubes of sugar. And it's, it's fucking brilliant. And it's it's so simple. But, yeah, if he puts on a dressing gown defiantly, you should see him make his cup of tea, is what I say.
1: That's so, perfect, yes. Shepi. I love that, Obs. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, and it's great awesome. sound design on those plonks. It's got great sound design a whole lot.
0: It really yeah, does. <laughs> it really does. It has amazing set design has really amazing costume design and it has absolutely fantastic sound design as well yeah you mentioned the footsteps uh, in the in episode one and yeah it's all about clanking and flanking and doors and all sorts and of course every door opens with a mechanical which is you know even in the like the sort of the rustic of course like his home and everything it's yeah it's very creepy and good so yes uh, another amazing- brilliant line I wanted to mention was, um, he's like, oh, you're thinking of escaping, are you? you know, and, and number six is like, escape, I'll do better than that. I'll escape and come back. And number two is like, you know, come back. Yes, come back and wipe this place off the face of the earth and you with it. And again, it's like so self-assured and and yeah, you can see it's like making number two like, oh, fuck, (laughs) Um, which again was something else I wanted to mention, which I like.
1: Yeah, lovely. Jeffy, I think we should stick with your uh, obs because they're 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 deeper than mine, slightly deeper. We've only got four more, honestly. So, because I don't want to jump too far ahead on the the chronology, I just want episode, you so, to do.
0: Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. I'm all over the place anyway. Um, please tell me your your thoughts. That's oh,
1: just ultimately, he's... Jimbo.
0: That's why we're here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's he's having dialogue with number eight, uh, and and I'm sure it's that moment to be honest. But I, I should have put a bit more context around. But it's just basically we're just number querying... eight
0: to be clear for the for the listener number eight
1: is the lady yes yes yeah yeah yeah. the new the new so the plot
0: is he meets this lady who wants to escape um so just just to make it clear for people and that's yeah. who number eight is the olympic
1: swimming, unless yeah amazing and uh just uh just the way he gives this sort of line delivery of it means what it is like it's just sort of an eye of the duck line when she's querying everything around the place i just thought it was just really lovely and, um, and I thought the whole plan of it, Sheppy, is amazing. so he's he's fashioning this sculpture for, you know the, <laughs> the exhibition. How they don't recognize it's a boat is extraordinary. And uh, well, they know it's a boat. They're playing their own long game, which is brilliant. So, of course, they know so that's hilarious as well. um, but the the point of the plan that I thought was just interesting to just pick up as a detail with you is so basically he wins. And um, number thirty-eight, though, then is another resident who's done a sort of a, a number two kind of uh, wall hanging thing, yeah, tapestry that could double as a sail if one was looking to make a boat. And um, and so if he hadn't won. <laughs> And like hadn't had that moment to be able to the lovely gesture of giving number thirty eight a bit of commission for her sail to hang in his home. Um, I'm just wondering what plan B was. That was all. And, uh oh, you, okay. You well, I, I
0: assume plan B would have been to use his duvet or something. But I do like the final "fuck you" to number two. That when he unravels his sail for his boat and it's number two's face. Absolutely. Uh, so yes, I'm sure he was just he couldn't resist the opportunity to be like, oh, oh, I'm having that. That's yeah. perfect
1: that's nice that's absolutely wonderful. i'm only just i'm only just ribbing it i love it i think it's perfect and then i've just put he has the most amazing hypnic jerks does uh, mcguin like he just jumps out of sleep like nobody i've ever seen in my life (laughs) And uh, uh, especially when in a crate being bounced around fake copenhagen i've said which is just yeah so that's nice so good old hypnic jerking mcguin and then um i just put the. the when, I hope you, you might be able to salvage this or not, Shep. I don't know, but just when 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 of course this whole moment comes round and he realises that he's not really hearing the real chimes of Big Ben, like the watch being an hour out on the of the, the gentleman is ridiculous that's the way he figures it out so it's like have you had a, heard of a watch being an hour out that's, you know it's like well <laughs> there were no dials or watches in those days so I'm just wondering how they coped with daylight savings that that sounds really amazing to me and he really shouts that line and goes for it McEwen and that makes me happy so that's really that's really cute and um and i just i love the i love his reaction that's my favorite bit of the whole episode is like you know his whole plan has been absolutely fucked in a way that you know you know is irretrievable and he's just so calm in that yeah. moment just walks out of there and that's... So
0: that. it's it's yeah. a dogville moment uh, he spends hours he i mean he makes the boat with his own bare hands and then he sails away with the lovely lady And then they get in a crate and he borrows the watch of this Polish chap. And then they're in this for hours and hours, just in this tiny crate. And she is so charming, even when she's being annoying, it's charming. And she's asking him all these sweet questions. And he's kind of putting up with it. He's the most angry man ever. He's so irritable, but he puts up with all of her questions and everything. Number eight and him in this tiny crate. And they bounce around for hours and hours and hours. And then they finally get to London and he meets like his old friend. And what's genius is it shows the office before they arrive. And, oh, I'm looking forward to number six arriving. It's so perfect. It really does appear to be the case that they're going to be in London. And he gets there and all of that. And then when he turns off the recording of the street noise, it's really horrible. And then he discovers, you know, and he, he walks out of the London office and he's in the village and like you say, that's a brain breaker, that would kill anyone. It's beyond demoralizing, like the shit he has been through. And like I say, it's the Dogville moment and it's it's for nothing. Um, and he is so cool and he doesn't break. And then the quadruple twist after everything and number eight is in on it and she's always been on it, in on it and more than that, she's in charge of number two and she even says to Leo McKern, don't worry it was a good plan and I'll, I'll say that in my report. Um, and the fact that she did the Olympic swimming and then she, quote, unquote, drowned and was collected by the rovers. And then she tried to kill herself on the electric floor. And all of that, you, and also because you see number two talk about her when number six isn't there. Um, you're like, yeah, okay, I, you totally believe it. And then the twist that, no, she was always in on it and she was one of the main people, Um Yeah, and then like you say again, Jimmy, he's so collected, and he's just like being single, and he just goes home, and maybe he goes under his duvet and cries for eight hours like I would, but you don't see it, and it's like wow. Um, so that's pretty amazing. It's amazing.
1: It is amazing. I think it's my favorite of the three eps, but I like the other two too. Yeah. uh, Yeah,
0: I like it. I like it. It might be my favorite as well, but it's very close. But yeah that and like you say when he realizes he's talking when you see the episode for the second time and the the big ben is chiming and he he's talking over it and he he's almost going to spill on and give the information and then he really he, and, he, and subconsciously he he clocks as it were the chimes are wrong and by the way whether or not you may scoff at like the hour difference like maybe this polish guy just didn't keep a good watch or whatever either way uh, it wouldn't make any difference anyway like even if it was an hour then it wouldn't have made a difference he would have looked out the window and seen london if it was just an hour yeah. you know it's not like it would have made a difference but when he does pull the plug and and all of that and he steps out but what i will say is me living in poland i do like the fact that the whole plot is ultimately hinged on the fact that there's one hour difference between poland and england which is which um which is just nice <laughs> for me personally. Um this scene, by the way, where he's be, he's pretending to be amorous with number eight and he's got his arm around her and stuff mm. as number six. Um, McGuin was a strong Catholic and he didn't want to do any romantic scenes or even any faux romantic scenes with with a woman because he was married. Uh, So in those scenes where he puts his arm around number eight and you can't see her face, it's his daughter in real life. Wow. Which you might say is perhaps worse, a million times worse. (laughs) But he's not being sexual with her. He's just being like, you know, he's got his arm around her and stroking her face and playing with her hair a bit. But when you know it's his daughter in a wig, the cuts between the face of number eight and then over the shoulder shot, it becomes very obvious, which is in its own way, very charming and weird and just another strange Magooan feature.
1: Which yeah, wow. To mention. How about yeah. That? Uh,
0: and I also wanted to mention the charming lady, number eight, who then turns out to be this horrible monster, uh, her calling Big Ben, Big Bill. I liked. Um, and also, <laughs> they've been in the sea, they've got wet clothes from the sea, and then they go into the big packing crates for like 10 hours or whatever. That's yuck. Um, so that's that's worse, I think, just lying in in wet clothes, wet, salty clothes, and then you get into a box. Uh, that's nasty. Uh, so there you go. Those are all of my notes. About, I love them, uh,
1: Sheffy. You're making this is just perfect. This is like true podding, man, in its deepest. I'm getting more out of the prisoner just listening to you there with all that stuff too. That's just lovely. Flipping it. Was there anything
0: else about chimes? Just also just I will quickly say. Just the fact, going back to what we were saying about the first five episodes or so, the order is very strange. It's a weird episode to have as your episode two in that supposedly number six does escape and he gets off the island. You would assume you would keep that until like episode five or something and have them all on the you know, on, in the village for the first few episodes at least. So that's another reason why I assume The Chimes of Big Ben wasn't originally meant to be episode two. But there you
1: go, and I think um, uh, episode, it might have had yes. more. It might, you know, traditionally has more impact. Then doesn't? It? You're more likely to even believe he's going to be off the island the further deeper yes. into the season it is. Absolutely, but the wrong footing is all part of it. Like you said, Shep, it's all part yes. of it. So I quite like it. Yeah.
0: I tell you, I've seen The Chimes of Big Ben realistically in my life, maybe eight times, but wow. properly, definitely, 100%, maybe four times. And I saw it the other day. And like I've mentioned, I saw it before that with Marta about four years ago. I still forgot the number eight was in on it. I It still hoodwinked me and shocked me when she turned out to be like a, a major player in the village. So it really worked on me so yes clever stuff yeah. so episode three jimmy is a b and c uh which i saw this evening uh so what did you think about that one
1: i really really liked it i thought it was great actually it might be number two for me as well i mean mm. number two favorite of these three. Oh god we can't really talk about numbers without getting all caught up but i said um uh, first note here was the different number two laughs at the because each number yeah. two obviously gets to then add their bit their little bit yeah. to the uh, the, the pre-title sequence. So I was thinking <laughs> we should each attempt one. <laughs>
0: That's but a really then... good idea. <laughs>
1: That's
0: a great idea.
1: Um, and then uh, I probably just done mine, which is a bit too friendly. Um, but yeah, but I put number two is a tough, tough gig, man. It's just a tough mm. gig anyway. Um, <laughs> I loved so much about this. I haven't, weirdly, I haven't made too many notes, but I, maybe when you do yours, I'll, I'll get a little bit more to say, but just, sure. I love, there's a moment, um, so I guess what, you know, plot here is pure inception here, right? They're, they are really trying right. to um, get into his dreams. And uh... and
0: it's, it's like, what's so nice is it, it is inception and they go into his dream, but it's like a what if future dream. It's like, if we hadn't gassed him, and if, we, if he had gone to this party, which wasn't even a real party, which happened, but had there been this party, which was similar to parties that he had been to before with this French lady and all of that, with all these people, if he had gone, there were three people who we think he would want to defect to or pass on information to, and that's why he resigned. And so we'll just put these three people in this dream party and just hypothetical, what if, and see what happens. Which is really so... I don't know if things like that had ever been done before. Yeah, It's so ahead of its time. And I say it's ahead amazing. of its time. I've never... You know, it's like Inception is the closest to that. Maybe an episode of Bugs I saw once, maybe. <laughs> but it's like, it's so... Yeah, it's really... it's It's crazy how... And you can take it for granted these days, but it's really out of the box in, yeah. in a good way,
1: really brilliant, really brilliant. And uh, I just it it starts to make you think like it would be interesting to do an updated version of the prison. I know it's in its own time box, and that's part of its charm, to be honest. I wouldn't this it's a be careful what you wish for, I appreciate, but
0: well, this is I'd a lo- moment where I should probably mention they did make a remake of the prisoner in around two thousand and seven, oh, really vis Wendy and McKellen. Holy yeah, shit. Like, I never saw it but yes yes it, it's out there
1: oh wow okay because mm-hmm. just thinking that like, there's something there around it doesn't even matter about the doors and like that actually adds all to you know how they feel that everything feels a bit 60s you know but that's that's part of it but I just feel like It's just that it'd be interesting to see it with sort of what feels like current tech, you know what I mean? And just sort of a little bit of a different vibe to it. But yeah, I don't know, though. I might watch the trailer for that later. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to ABC. Well, don't
0: don't do anything about that until you finish this whole show, just in case.
1: Yeah, good shout. Good shout. Good, good, good look at this. Always shepherded me through things, Sheppy, in in the loveliest way. So there's a moment, though, where just before he closes his eyes, Um, The camera, the the, the screen we're seeing there suddenly just switches to exactly what he's seeing of her at exactly the right angle. It's perfect. And it's just this point of view shot just before she closes his eyes. I just that gave me such a shiver. It was so cool. It's true. uh...
0: And technically, it's amazing for them to achieve those shots. But also that idea, it is creepy. Uh, and the fact that she closes his eyes—it's a very creepy moment. Uh, the whole thing, which is great, and going right to the end when he walks in from the dream into the room, and they're watching, and he comes in through the door, and they instinctively look at the door, but of course he doesn't come through the door because he's on the table in front of them. Mm, That's amazing. Great.
1: That's yeah. Really I put that good. down too. I love that moment yeah. too. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Bowls as a come on. Oh, mean. I mean we, we had Paul H-A-P-P-P-Y. Eddington in episode
0: one and now we've got Peter Bowles in number in number three. Come on.
1: to see Bowles. Now we had
0: George Baker in episode one. We've got everyone.
1: Yeah, everyone. So exciting. And I actually got a sneak peek as who's the next number two. And I can't wait. I can't bloody wait in the next one is in, in number five Sheffy I think I think I don't want to okay, say well, okay we, well let's get
0: to that when we when we get there shall we yeah, yeah. yes absolutely <laughs> another thing <laughs> I wanted to say was I really you mentioned this earlier uh nervous number two um we've had um you know George Baker we've had the other guy and they've both been very plummy and then we had uh Leo McKern. Who is, of course, the quintessential number two? This number two, nervous straight away. Um, I wrote down drinking water like a cunt. He's like he's got his nervous drinking water going on. Has this number two right from the beginning? He's saying to like presumably number one on the phone. I know I'm replaceable. I know my you know my job is not <laughs> locked, and that probably means if he gets fired, he's going to die. You would assume. So this is a nervous number two who is constantly throughout the entire episode, like on the verge of panic, which then again, when the actual informant is uh, unveiled at the end. And of course, it's number two. And of course, none of it's real, but it plays into number two's worst fear. It's just number six. Just flipping it on him is genius as well.
1: Perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Um, and just number 14 is good as well I really like her she's very conflicted and you feel that in her performance and stuff and it's just it's really cool yeah and again
0: another very kind of like a, a ranking strong woman in in the village which is just nice that this is a thing she's not an assistant she's she's the head doctor and yes very commanding
1: And I just, I put here as well, this is such an elaborate plan, inception-esque elaborate plan, obviously. And so just, I've just put like, you know, of course you want to keep him intact, as we explained before as well. But like, I I put here. One thing I will say is come the 17th the last step, it really needs to explain why a bit of light waterboarding wouldn't have sufficed sometimes. Like, you know, this is a very elaborate plan to get some <laughs> intel out Do like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, pull just pull out
0: a fingernail, see <laughs> what he does, and just take it from there. Yeah, yeah you, very... you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> they went to a lot of trouble without even, like, snipping off an earlobe. You're right. You're bloody right. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that number six could take anything because he's fucking furious.
1: That's true. He's the angriest. Um, yeah, <laughs> and Shep, I actually don't have much more on this one. Okay, honestly. Well, I I'll, put I'll about that I'll reveal as well. I love him re-entering the room in the dream, but not in real life. Just perfect. That's what I put to him, really. nice.:
0: The penny-farthing motif continues. Did you see that there's like a, a picture of, uh, like a, on the wall, on the doorway of the laboratory? There's like a painting like a, of the penny farthing as well
1: maybe yeah i think so i think so yeah i just and yeah
0: the scientist lady also says about number six he's not conventional which is about the most on the nose but also lovely thing you could say about number six because he's fucking <laughs> not conventional um genius concept um not uh oh and also i wrote about peter bowl's moustache I said Bowles' moustache is like the eighth level of hell, as found on the upper lip, because uh, it is a quite a, a hellish moustache. So again, good old Peter Bowles. Yeah. Um, oh, and also seeing him at this party, and obviously with guests who he would have met at you know previous parties, which actually happened, and so on. Um, we get to see number six basically being like in his kind of in a not well, maybe his usual habitat and maybe not him as himself because he's always going to be putting on a mask in this sort of situation, but he's being fairly angst free and charming. And even if it is an act, he's going into this party, he's not like doing like fake manners. He does seem genuinely like, hello, hello to you too. Oh, and hello. And that's just nice seeing a bit of number six's life. When he's not in this environment, meaning, meaning the village. So I like that. Nice really seeing him potentially on the job, as it were. And also, I like the homoerotic kidnapping escapade with Boyle, I thought was great as well. Um, there was all sorts of underlying tension there. Um, so that's great. Um, McGowan, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, in every episode he is always doing excellent business with his fingers. They're always furious. His fingers, even if his hands are hanging by his sides, they're always just his fingers are working all the time, like furiously, uh, which is great. And again, it sort of sums up number six. Even when he's kind of holding it together, he's just bubbling and ready to erupt at any second, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And also a couple of nice lines, um, which number 14 says, um, she says, your nonsense bores me, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, and and then she says this to number six, and then she says it again, which is a mistake when she's putting voices in the memory. Um, but she says, we all make mistakes. Sometimes we have to. And that's just a cool line. I, it's quite mm-hmm. deep. I like that. Oh, And going right back, I was going to mention this when you said earlier, but I I held off. Number six's dressing gown is amazing. When he's putting it on with an act of defiance or not, in this episode particularly, it's this really nice looking dressing gown, kind of yellow and black. Oh, really cool. So anyway, that's nice. Oh, and also (laughs) um, he says, let's get distressed together when he pops the champagne cork. Let's get distressed together is a really cool line. Uh, So I like that. Uh, And also number two in his PJs, being like, I couldn't sleep, coming up again in that big ball chair. And he's like, he's always walking, irritating man about number six, which is great. Number two, losing his mind. And also number six, when he's losing his mind in the uh, party, saying, this is a dreamy party, uh, is great, when he's starting to lose it. also stepping through he's outside and it's daytime and he steps through a doorway and into a street at night time that was really good as well i don't mm. know if you clocked that
1: no i don't know but they have to rewatch <laughs> that bit now oh yeah, it's great was...
0: it's when he's outside and he's he's been dropped off i think by boyle and they say oh it's when he's going to meet his um the, his actual informer who turns out to be number two and he's outside and he st- and it cuts back and forth, back and forth, day, night, day, night, day, night. And then he steps through and he's not indoors, he's like on a Parisian street at night. It's really mm. cool. Um, and then of course, him coming into the room at the end is amazing. And like Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, he the number six loses a lot, he totally loses horribly in the times of Big Ben, but in this one. He fucking wins. in You know, I mean, he doesn't get off the island, but he beats number two at his own game 100% gets victory, which is nice. It's like when Larry wins, it's like lovely, and number six wins here, which is
1: great. I love invoking a bit of curve. And I wonder, is this the first time when he's done it I've written it down, I didn't want to say it because I couldn't quite remember the exact moment it came I'm going to need to be a bit more specific with my notes going forward but there's a, a, I, I think there's a moment where oh, number two gives it a, they'll be seeing you and then number six gives it a, no, I'll be seeing you near the beginning of oh, the episode nice. but um, but yeah uh, Lovely good So uh,
0: yeah, a really really good episode, absolutely I think like you say um, Chimes of Big Ben pips it for me just because it's the whole ordeal and the and also I, another thing about times of big ben everyone's making images of number two it's very Stalin, it's very lenin it's very Hitler, mm, and i yeah. like that and then when they're looking at the boat, one of the people says there's one thing i don't uh, understand where's number two which is just nice <laughs> um so anyway um, i like all of that it makes me very happy but i like this episode a lot um was there anything else, or was that was that cool for you? was um, so that one, Sheppy. On? Yeah. Episode four, free for all, free for all, <laughs> which is a great title in itself. This one was uh, written by quote unquote Paddy Fritz, um, which, which is uh, Patrick McGowan, of course. Um, Paddy Fritz, amazing. <laughs> um, so, so there you go, and also a great line. So, free for all. Uh, I am number six, he is number two, six of one, half a dozen of the other, six <laughs> instead of two, and all of this. Six, not two, Free for all, and great wordplay and clever shit. That's great. And also um, the line that number six says in Free for all, I intend to discover who are the prisoners and who are the warders, which is a, a great line as well, mm. actually, which I like. Absolutely. Uh, so this is the um the 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 election episode. They're voting for a new number two. Um, so what did you generally think of this oh, one?
1: I thought it was a delight, Sheppy. Again, like this is the one that I got a little hoodwinked on and I, I went to second. So it's the one I kind of chronologically uh-huh. watched second. And, and a little bit like Times of Big Ben, I thought, oh, they're jumping to something like this quite soon, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, but just, yeah, I loved it. I've got a, a few more little notes on this one than I did for the last one, but just, um, I, I think it is the third favorite of these ones, but nothing's under oh. bloody four star here, Shep, This to be very clear. I did. And me. the, the, uh, I love his speech when number two is egging him on to do his speech <laughs> for the masses and he it yeah. includes the phrase die like rotten cabbages like that I just thought it was amazing if we're <laughs> gonna say, and, and number two is just saying go keep going they love it like, you know, it's yeah. so good. and uh <laughs> And the placards are ready for him as well, yes. with his face on. Very creepy yes. and amazing. Um, That's
0: true. Um, and in fact, I, I I got that. This is my like second note. He's announced, and the crowd suddenly have his poster, number six posters ready, um, which is creepy. And it mocks his free will. Like He's like, OK, I will run. And they've already got the posters, because they knew he would. So there's that. It's mocking his free will. It's mocking um, the election free will. Um mocking number six himself he quote unquote agrees to run but they're all like yay already um, which is great I like that quite a lot and also yeah number two's line certainly I'll warn them not to damage the tissue which is fucking hardcore when they're talking about you know, getting into number number six mm. which is nice Uh, yes it's um, perfect
1: and- Sheppy. it's the perfect way to take apart an election doing stuff like that yes. isn't it like you know with, with the state of the world at the moment and we're gonna have to rely on maybe a, another biden versus trump for the biggest election in the western world coming up like it just feels like what is free choice in an election where your candidates are chosen for you you know it's just that kind of little spin around it my little note there but yeah i loved it um i'm a geek for stationery sheppy ever since i've had my business i've been a geek for stationery and i love the butcher's paper newspaper that he his mm. little story gets printed on that has been interviewed yes. in the back of that car it's a brilliant interview moment as well in the back of that car um that yes. uh, where his questions have been answered for him where they're not answered the stuff as well but then but just the way it satisfyingly rolls up that butcher's paper made me very happy um it's yeah. just the thickness of that paper i don't even know what to call it that's amazing um and then <laughs> I put there's another line that I need to just put the context around these lines. But I put an eye of the dark line again here with a this is a most serious breach of etiquette. And I just thought, yeah, everything is a most serious breach of etiquette. <laughs> going now. But, um, <laughs> and then oh my god, Sheppy, I've put here one of the most enigmatic lines I've ever heard in anything ever. Everything you think is in the strictest confidence someone says that to you holy shit yeah
0: yeah that's great oh good catch that's wonderful and again yeah everything you think is in the strictest confidence is such a contradiction in terms in the first place no you know in that we know it but we won't share it and all that and just into it's wonderful yeah very good i love it another thing i noticed um, there are creepy, like I mentioned before, inserts, like lots of weird cuts and sudden cuts and inserts and weird sudden close-ups and weird angles and things that, like, ge- geographically speaking, you wouldn't normally put a camera there and then just next to it, but it does, just like boink, boink, those little cuts, just playing with the space, which is great, which sort of makes you as a viewer, even if you're not aware of like oh they put the camera in a funny place you are aware on some level that oh something is weird here something just off and um that the show is nothing but that really and that's fantastic also there are time jumps like did you notice there are like people time makes no sense number six is watching some people who are right next to him then he turns his head to someone who's suddenly next to him again standing right there and then he turns his head back to the group who were like about three meters away from him two seconds ago. And now they're just disappearing around a corner at the Mm. bottom of the street. And it's all like, it's it's weird and it doesn't make logical sense. And it's like, what the fuck? And again, it's just great.
1: It's probably the most surreal ep, isn't it, so far, this one particularly. Like it's really got that, when he wins, they don't cheer. And yeah. It's just a bit off-putting, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Okay. And
0: he finally, because he's so angry and he didn't want them to cheer earlier, but now he's actually kind of like, What, why aren't you cheering? I won. And he's sort of looking actually like hurt and like confused and like, why, what? Yeah, it's it's that's creepy as well. And also going back to the sign of number six, like they're all holding signs of number six, and then they start chasing him around. There is something fundamentally terrifying about being chased by a mob, all carrying pictures of your own face. Mm. Uh, and that is that is scary. Um, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he runs into the cave room behind number two's office, finding in this kind of cave like people just sitting around this kind of rover, like the big blobby bull thing but it's kind of yeah. green and you're sitting around it silently as if it's a tv or a radio and it's like it's it's really creepy and again it's the idea that he's walked in on them they would be doing this if he wasn't there yeah. and it's 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 really disturbing uh, terrifying
1: i love it <laughs> i love it. once shit.
0: again we have a lady who seemed really nice yeah, until she doesn't uh, that's amazing episode. twist that was a brilliant performance yeah. from her right? i did not see this yes. one coming at all no. like yeah that no. was a great twist yeah really good yes it's very good at that um and the twist should be obvious um but but it works it works just brilliantly so yes um so there you are that those are my notes and that's really I have two more for had. you
1: you I've could. got two more, only silly ones, but just the 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 guy who gives it the everything you think is in the strictest confidence. I think the guy questioning him changes actor. I kept, like, spinning it back, but yeah. I think they have a different guy, the, the grey-haired guy. I feel like, I think they do two different actors. I think they switch it. I don't know, but I would love it if they did. I think that would be oh. a great, great idea. But um, Yes. And then I just... But, McEwan is Sheppy, Sheffy is McEwan, like he talks like Sheppy talks, in a debate about having spare time, he actually uses the phrase, I can't carp So that, and Sheppy <laughs> is the only other man in the world that I know that exists that uses the word carp, and I think that's amazing. <laughs>
0: well, that's nice. I hope, I hope go with that that's lovely <laughs> being compared to number six some might say that's a terrible thing but i will take that as the compliment <laughs> yeah. absolutely
1: all of the goodness wise. of number six only the goodness Sheppy. but yeah <laughs>
0: well, it's number six and number six i'll take the whole package
1: <laughs> i wish i still had
0: those shoes <laughs> wonderful was there anything else you had there jimmy
1: no, no, I'm all good. I'm, I'm out on that. Not out, you know what I mean. Out on no. Lots of
0: twists, out. lots of turns, lots of little things, lots of hoodwinks. Uh, and again, I keep falling for it, even though it's not my first or second or third time watching these. I am continuously surprised by twists like, oh no, he's a baddie. Oh no, he was in it in on it all the time. Oh no, she's totally in on it. Um, I keep being hoodwinked so yeah and again the cast the the supporting characters um just wonderful peter Bowles, paul eddington george baker uh, and more to come so, it's such yes, a jimmy, treat Sheps.
1: it's such a treat i'm really great i'm glad we're doing this really glad we're doing it
0: um, no it's been an absolute pleasure jimmy absolutely wonderful so yes wonderful onwards and upwards old son very very exciting yeah man. so um if there's nothing else for the moment shall we wrap it there my old son
1: let's wrap it there's only one way to sign these off isn't there really or is there is it a uh, Sheppy's number two chuckle is gonna see us out or is that too uh, much a,
0: pressure a number two chuckle is uh what i call better make it a second flush and so <laughs> you better not think about that too much so what
1: you're saying is i won't get it <laughs>
0: oh that's the tick i'll take it yes you won't get it oh so angry so angry (laughs)